Hello, everyone, and welcome to the For We Are Many podcast. Uh, my name is Rob, and uh, I'm sitting here with Nico of the Alahi Spirit Runners. They are celebrating 300 direct actions, um, which I, I think is safe to say is more than. Um, and we're going to those actions today. Yes. Uh, Trish is also around here somewhere. She keeps popping out of the room. I would assume that her service is not great where she's at. Um, but that's okay. We will carry on anyway. Um, so do you just want to talk about the events that you brought up earlier? Or do you just kind of want to yeah. talk about... Start going down the list. Uh, there's a reference... But, um, you know, so I suppose it was back in, like, 2012, thereabouts. You know, I mean, because the the Occupy movement happened, right? And so, like, I already had this foundation with American Indian movement. But some things were preventing me from, you know, really getting involved. Um, and then, like, I remember Occupy happened and everything got major there for a couple years and um i was over in eastern oregon i ended up over there to go um you know take care of this wolf issue and so like i had experience you know and then got over there is doing the occupied thing and um you know so i went against chase bank and different stuff like that but then i you know i kind of assess the area and realize there's nobody out here like holding this down there's like basically like i don't know some like kids that are too scared like trying to do like cop watch or something um but they're like too too scared to make a stand on anything so i was just like well i claim claim this area i'll get to work and uh, we went the decolonize route you know and so remember back in that time uh you know it's it's interesting because we did that and a lot of people like called us traitors or something <laughs> um wow. but we quickly established that and um I proceeded to do a hundred direct actions that year. You know, that was back when like all oh, the Mayan calendar was ending and things were like getting, things were pretty major, you know, things were stirring around. And so I just tried to really do as much as I could in that time. And I feel that we, we, we broke a lot of records. I don't know of anybody who did a hundred direct actions in a year that equals out to like about one every three days. So it's, yeah. I have not heard of anyone who could hold that pace, you know? Um, I mean, really it's impressing that anybody or it's impressive that anybody can. That's a lot to ask from anybody from anybody. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, 
part of what just pushed me to do that is like it's in my nature i remember entering a race when i was young not a race more of like a charity run and um i was only like you know i must have been like in the sixth grade or something but i was already like you know coaches would like see that i was physically fit and you know and they like be like hey you want you want to run you want to run i know you can handle this mile all these other kids are crybabies why don't you just run the mile for us and so i would you know and um but i so i got into running i got into this race and these like adult men <clears throat> were trying to pass me and stuff and every time they would I go faster and harder than they could. And I look back and there they gave up pursuit. And so like that as a metaphor is like how I've been doing my activism. Cause you know, being like a light skinned native, you have to understand Indian politics, uh, more like hoops you have to jump through than white politics, African politics. It's the worst. Um, if there's ever a people that exemplify that crabs in a barrel mentality, it's indigenous people. So I was very hmm. much picked on, you know, and I knew oh, yeah. I knew I was going to have to work 10 times harder than everybody. And that they would still talk shit. You know, take t 10 times more risks, 10 times more effort, 10 times more time. You know, I remember like the first year I spent something like, you know, I, I don't want to like throw too many numbers on a computer, but like I spent over a thousand dollars of my own money just to sustain that. Um, you know what I'm saying? And so I just, every time somebody picked on me, I went harder. And so that's why I did that a hundred in a year. It's not only like to set goals and prove to myself to be like the best me that I can be, but also just to blow the competition the hell out of the water. Show them that they cannot hang with this. They cannot contend with this. You can make fun of me. But you're basically just move, making fun of yourself because you can't you can't hold a candle to this, right? And, and then so after ten years of holding this pace, nobody can hold up. I mean, we blew Greenpeace out of the water right away. Nobody, Earth First, nobody, nobody can hold a candle to this. And um, so in that race, as a child, just as a young child. I ended up running well it was really like like 30 miles in a day i ran over a marathon on my little legs wow. and i i had to sleep for like three days on my on my little belly until my feet would heal because they were bloody but then I, I just, that really showed me what I could do. Like inside, like I have this like drive and fire that can crush a lot of people. Um, so that's how I be organizing still today. On um, We're getting ready to celebrate 300. 
Um, yeah, it was, I mean, it's interesting. I had a confrontation with a uh, corporate entity this morning I didn't even plan on. So it's just a lifestyle, just a lifestyle of right. confrontation. Um, <clears throat> you know, so we just done a little bit of everything, you know. I mean, with Occupy, right, there was when that Marine got hit with that canister in the head. So we all protested the police. Yep. The first time I got a feel for like, okay, we're going to go stack up on the police station and give them a hard time. Um, that came in handy again uh, during BLM because the liberals weren't hitting the target. So I went down, swooped the whole thing up and hit the target like we're supposed to. Um, I did a lot of stuff in Idaho against the wolf hunt. Um like I, I'm, I'm like the founder of uh, Idle No More Idaho. Uh, so we had these experiences with fish and wildlife there, um, and trying to sneak up on them. And people asking me, how could I make my activism better? And so I was just thinking about this earlier today like i'm i'm thankful for people to come along and be like hey you know i'm trying i'm not trying to hate on you but i just like i really want to ask you how can you make your activism better and around then i had like observed like um it, is that, you know, a little bit, I'm interested in anti-nuclear. So I see this woman holds up a sign in front of a building for 30 years for anti-nuclear. And uh, just observing her story, I realized that it didn't change anything. And that was that, um, like, epiphany moment that holding a sign was not going to be enough. And that's when I started trying to take these offices over. Okay, and it was from that criticism. People in their activism have to be willing to have like a criticism, self-criticism, be open to a little criticism. There's like shit talking or like people who are haters. And then there's like well-meaning people who are like, hey, how could how could you make it better? Like legit, let's let's up your game. And so I was thankful for that. And then I organized to take the building over. I came back with the like the Channel 7 news crew and took that shit over. And um, Fish and Wildlife threw me out of the building, you know. So it's like Idaho is like more, more aggressive. They had a, a head of Fish and Wildlife who is like a little more neutral. He was like, hey, these people are doing First Amendment rights. They fired his ass because he wasn't hard enough on the protest. And then they got a new guy in who's just like, basically gets into rage right away and uh, throws people out of the building. So this is, you know, this is how he's going to get promoted in the, in the thing is by... 
going hard like that, you know, it didn't help the situation, you know, um, ultimately it make things worse. So, I mean, cause their agency is kaput. Even the right wingers want it completely abolished and they think they can do better with private privatize <laughs> and they're, they're right. You know, the thing is actually that anybody could do better at this point one one good video to watch is uh u.s fish and wildlife exposed created by predatordefense.org and predatordefense.org they're like they're not very very tough they they barely talk to me because uh, i pressure them but um oh forget dude's name now but he he's he said mato i'm gonna make this video i'm like all right i'm skeptical Oh no, show me what you got. Brooks. Brooks is his name. So Brooks makes this video and it comes out and it actually slams fish and wildlife big time. I'm like, hell yeah, Brooks. And so now I show this video to people and they're like, you know, because they got confessions of these people like testing expired cyanide grenades on dogs and then kick them in, kicking them into the landfill and shit. And so people don't know that this is how fish and wildlife is behaving with, quote, taxpayer money. So we would like sneak up on fish and wildlife and take them over, get thrown out or, or whatever. We figure, you know, it's little cat and mouse. So you figure, well, the police will respond at some point and, and then we'll leave and come back when we want to, you know, and it kind of establishes this psychology of like, actually, we're running the show. We're calling the shots. We'll come and go as we'll please. Um, we're the rightful stewards. <clears throat> and so we did like a thing in Salem to those offices, BLM, Fish and Wildlife, I'll start to sneak, do sneak ups on these smaller offices, sub offices to where I'm like sneaking up on fish and wildlife agents, like in their repair garage. And they're like, oh, oh holy shit, you snuck up on me in the garage. Yeah, that's right. Or I'd end up in like the director's office, you know, he's like, you're not supposed to be in the office. And I was like, this is my office, you know, just like establishing psychology on these guys. Um, but also to the point that it make them feel vulnerable, like, dude, how do you keep getting in my office kind of thing? Um, I mean, that's good though. They shouldn't get too comfortable. Exactly. They need to be held accountable to the people, uh, regardless of how they feel about it. Right. And then so like with that experience, we had done some stuff for wild horses uh, as well. Yeah, that was um, on on the list there. Yeah, and yeah, so, which uh, which which location was that? Uh, oh, you didn't specify. Were murdered uh, in Prineville. Um, you know, and sometimes you'll see groups like uh the humane society will throw out like a five thousand dollar reward or something so you know at that point we're like okay we at least got you know 
some mainstream attention. Let's go confront this office. And at, at that time, let's see, I went to the Malheur office and they were like, well, you got the wrong office. And I was like, no, I went to the closest one for, for, for my um, convenience, not for yours. Um, but, you know, so I was able, you go into there and then like, it's operated by this like big rancher dude with these huge hands and stuff, you know, and then I realized I had got, I had dude shaking, shaking in his boots. Like this big 250 pound rancher scared of me, doesn't know what to do. He's like, well, we got to take a lunch. And when I come back, we'll talk about this. And that was basically, I like, I knew he was calling for a timeout. <laughs> like, I show up and all of a sudden they need a timeout or something. Yeah, right, right. Um, but, you know, so that time I had brought an archaeologist with me, too, so I wasn't ill-prepared. And so we were we really proceeded to make them feel foolish. And then I, and then I had gotten a, a wild horse specialist on the telephone. Um, and we were able to change policy that day. See what they made it. Um, they made it so uh, wild horses in that area can't be killed unless uh, all the tribal people are acknowledged first. Um, and that's like maybe not maybe not as enforced as it should be, and it's because nobody enforces the American Indian Religious Freedom Act. Um, Hardly anybody enforces wildlife law, um, you know, issues, issues like that. But we did change policy for what it's worth. We're not reformist. Um, but we do tally our victories. Every little victory is important to tally. Otherwise, you'll Very get skeptic, so. skeptics who are like, well, what did you ever do? Well, I've... We got to where we could change po wildlife policy basically at will. Is that, I don't know how many people can say that. Be like, hey, well, my group changes wildlife policy at will. We have a formula. We get shit done. I don't know a lot of people that can say that. Um, see, what else was on the list? We had to confront um, Army Corps of Engineers for no dapple. Um, I wasn't able to get out there on a bus, basically like, like gatekeepers prevented like the, <laughs> and it's funny cause I'm descendant of standing rock people, Dakota Oyate. And so <laughs> it was wow. just funny to see like gatekeepers trying to keep the standing rock guy from going to standing rock. And yeah, they, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's the, that Indian polyps I was talking about, the super gatekeeping. Um, and so I was just, it was important to note that they would take um, like eco tourists. I'm starting, you know, um, this one guy I heard him say, he was like, I think it's more like eco tourism. So I, oh, okay, well, I'm going to snag that because I think that's that that's correct. I feel you. So you get all these legal observers and stuff and all these people who want to just 
go go 3000 miles to watch us get beat up by the police and take some pictures or something you know over over and because standing rock people was requesting leadership and medical at that time and so that's what we had like i i'm leadership and like all my friends were like lieutenants by the time standing rock came up they had all been promoted right because we had all had experience from like the white clay struggle we had banged on white clay so hard that we had a bunch of experience going into standing rock and people were like oh standing rock came out of nowhere the hell it did no it was created no, by a lot of um, white white clay veterans and stuff like that so i thought it you know very ironic that they would uh choose echo tourists over leadership and medical i had a um ex-marine medic with me so we actually had precisely what they were requesting a leadership and a medic and we got replaced with echo tourists wow so it's very important to notice this kind of uh impotent impotent behavior that's going on um but besides regardless of that every like every curve ball they throw at me I come out on top. I, I, I took a group out to a dam. I identified a target. I said, all right, you got the, you think you have the entire red power movement surrounded up in the Dakotas. Well, you don't. And I'm gonna raise up in the West and let you know for damn sure you don't have my people surrounded. And so I picked a target was a dam and I don't even have to say what's implied there. When you go to a dam, it's implied. Anyone with a brain knows what's up. And so we confronted the army, you know. And it was, it was funny, you know. I'll tell you how I set it up. I did a practice, a practice action, and we took over a bank. And we had, like, a bunch of hipsters and, like, 40 people showed up. And I, after I was done, I said, did you like that? That was practice. That was a warm-up. Now we're going to go head-to-head -head with the Army. Everybody stand in line. Anyone who has the courage to go fight the Army today, step forward. Nine people out of 40 step forward, you know. So, yeah, like, I don't know, there's, like, some big burly aimster in the audience and in the line and he stepped back he chickened out you know all these hipsters chickened out all these people chickened out start to throw the excuses uh, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but. excuse 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 i went forward with nine white kids that day completed the mission confronted the army lucky for my ass they locked me out of the dam and they were like hey dude if you climb the razor wire it's on don't do it and so they did their job to protect the dam um because i was gonna go as far as i possibly could that day and i got the media out there too i'm very media savvy and it pisses people off to all hell but i got the media out there and so it's recorded after that, people were trying to copy me. 
like my haters, they were like, oh, maybe we should go to the dam. That was awesome. Yeah, well, who come up with that shit? You have to have the mind for it. Um, so, yeah, everyone's out there trying to copy me. And if you want to get with the good stuff, you should join Elahi Spirit Runners. Uh, what else? So how, how exactly do people go about joining the organization? Do they just reach out to you directly or? Yeah, come find me directly. Yeah, you can hit me up on the um, Twitter, you know, and we can we can schedule a talk. You can hit me up on Facebook. I'm out there. I have a secure email if you're a little more cautious. We could set something up, but just come find me directly. Okay. Um, I want to talk about um, Liberation Days. I think was on the list. Yes. Liber Liberation Days was 2014. Um, this is an annual celebration of the Wounded Knee uh, Armed Resistance. It takes place in February. Um, so I'd, I would like to make it out there again someday. But 2014 was, was good. Um, I went out there and there was some elements making like a united front and so there was like Africans, East Coast people, like even some some like radical whites. Um, but there is a lot of radical activity there that year. Um, other AIM chapters and stuff are good about showing up there, you know. Colorado will come up and uh, California will come out. It's like a really big thing. And so we took over White Clay that year. And we shut it down, you know. And so I wanted to make sure that that people knew, you know, like I, I traveled a long way to take the front lines of that struggle. And I was the second person into white clay that night. I, want, I knew I wanted to be in the front. And um, the sheriff seen us preparing and passing around medicine, like sweet grass and stuff. And it was snowing sideways. It's like 15 degrees, you know. And so they, they, the sheriffs were like, oh, shit, that's a lot of warriors. Uh, they must be like like 30 or 40 deep. And it's 15 degrees outside and snowing sideways. You know what the sheriff did that night? They went home and watched football. They didn't want nothing to do with the warrior societies. <laughs> and so we did whatever we wanted to that night. And we were banged on those targets that were practicing liquid genocide and poisoning our people and trying to break the will of the Lakota people with alcohol. And, you know, we really scared the shit out of them. We really made them feel small that night. And so, like, only... well, this is a little bit off topic, but I'm, I'm just curious. I totally didn't mean to interrupt you there. But, like, what was the moment where you knew this is what you wanted to do? Like, was there a defining moment or was it like more of a slow awakening? 
some of both. You know, I mean, I wanted to be in the movement, like, in, like, 28, 20, 2008, kind of, you know. And I remember growing up, like, listening to my grandpa talk on the phone on Sundays. Back then, it was before, you know, there's no internet. So all the old Amesters would talk on the telephone on Sunday. And I listened to him tell these stories about, like, Denny and them and all the good things they're doing. And a little older, I was like, damn, he's talking about Dennis Banks and the American Indian Movement. And my great uncle was involved, too. And my great uncle come out a few years later I was like that's that's not real they don't really know Dennis Banks do they he's like like how dare you question me he says he calls up Dennis Banks and puts me on the phone with him (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so you know it's like what that next year I went out for longest walk three and I walked across almost across the United States I made it from Portland to Wisconsin Wow. Longest walk. That's a long walk. How long did it take you? Oh, it's like three. I was on the road for like three <laughs> months. Wow. We did. We went to a lot of ceremonies, too. There's some some people out there. People like to talk. They're like, oh, he, he he's, he's blah, blah, blah. He, he won't get into a ceremony. I've been to more ceremonies than most of you people. But I was taught not to just display it everywhere. You know. Not to not to brag about it. Not to brag about it. So just for the record, I'm not. Ha ha. <laughs> oh man. What else is on the list? Oh, we did the six-day occupation of Nampa Fish and Wildlife. Where is that? So this is like a smaller sub-office right on the border. And I got to... I got to... Kind of seeing that my preference was toward rural actions. And it's because you can overwhelm them. I mean, I've done both. I fought the horse cavalry in portland oregon and they'll 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 really stomp you out and spray you with chemical weapons and call it a day you know they're prepared to do that that's another day in portland but if you go to a rural area you can overwhelm them you might be able to overwhelm like rangers on staff they might call the sheriff you might be able to overwhelm them too so why people are ducking and dodging rural actions is quite frankly i think they're lazy and they're unorganized um it's easy it's easy to organize in large cities hey everybody meet at the park at five yeah that is a lot easier than trying to get people to congregate in a in a rural setting unless it's like to go to the bar or party. <laughs> right so yeah we had to take action in a lot of these like high desert areas with very low populations and um so, yeah at this particular one there was a water dispute 
between the neighbor bordering Nampa Fish and Wildlife. And, um, so, you know, I didn't delve too far into that, only uh, to take advantage of that, get myself put in a good place where the wildlife agency couldn't boot me off. And so at that point, I'm like practically on their front yard with a legal access yeah. that this neighbor had given me. And so I just camped out there for like six days. I heard them say that one time when I was kind of like warming up on them. They were like, oh, hey, this guy's not this guy's not that bad. We don't got to worry until they start camping on our yard. So that's what I did. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that goes back to what I was saying about um, the guy in, what was it, Salem, I think. Like, you, you can't let him get too comfortable. You have to let him know you're watching and that you're willing to take action. Yeah. Um, we did one to protect water uh, against fracking in northern Idaho. And so this was, I mean, all these were major learning experiences for me coming up. Seeing people willing to put a superheated slurry of 3,000 chemicals into the ground to get the last pockets of natural gas to rise when they know damn well it's going to poison the groundwater. 700 cracked wells, and they did it anyway. Schools drinking off of the cracked wells. Basically, they knew damn well they were going to poison their own children's drinking water and proceeded to do it anyway. You know. It's People valuing the profit to be made there over life itself. Over life itself. And I, I tried to stand in the way of that and I got very little support. This is kind of like the trend is like everyone's waiting for it to be some big hashtag or you can't wait for it to get pop. You got to be cutting edge. This is front lines. That's what front lines means. It used to mean that. That you would go somewhere, that you would leave your home, that you would travel, that you would go to dangerous places, that you would take up these struggles. And now people, oh, the front lines is everywhere. Yes, to a degree, but that also negates what we were saying about taking on these difficult challenges. Yeah, I mean, we should be able to have a front line everywhere, but we should be able to coalesce. Uh, you know, converge on key spots for bigger fights. Right. And so, yeah, I was out in a scary place again. Um, you know, the, the rednecks calling us everything they could. And then the, then the police came and it was just little old me. So uh, they threw me out of the way pretty quick. Lucky I didn't get my ass kicked. Uh, there were some white women there that came to my aid. They were like, no, he's with us. You can't beat him up. Um, and they poisoned all that water anyway. The kids got rare forms of cancer no one had ever seen before. And one of the engineers who worked on the project ended up killing himself. Realized what he had done. Wow. So it was just... 
you know, another strange thing I tried to intervene on. A lot of these actions we do, you lose them. Hey, kids, be ready to take some L's. You feel me? Because <laughs> we're fighting yeah. the earth. You know what I'm saying? And so Mother Earth is getting beaten. And if you try to stand with her, be ready to be beaten too. You know? Be be ready to be insulted and disrespected and all these things that they're going to try to do. You know? And then do it anyway. Well said. Um, Natalie said in the comments, capitalism kills. Agreed. Absolutely. Um, fracking, I think, was probably one of the first, like, environmental issues that I got, like, legitimately mad about. I saw, right. you've probably seen the same exact video, but I saw a video of somebody turning on their tap water and lighting it on fire with a big lighter. And I was like, oh, fuck no. <laughs> like, Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. But that, that was eye-opening to even, like, even the idea that a fellow human being would be capable of doing that to make a buck. Like, yeah. prior to that, I just didn't think it was possible. Yeah. And that really just blew the door off of that. <laughs> right. It's subsidized. They're not, they don't even make a buck. It's like 17 cents a gallon. It, it's such a loss that it has to be subsidized. Right. Yep. Um, let's see what else. Did, did we talk about Boise already? We've Yeah, they're Boise trying to kick me out of Boise. So we have, um, all out of all of these 300 actions, we have zero arrests. Only one injury was me getting thrown out of Boise. Wow. So like, um, what was the headquarters of the Boise? That, that That's all you uh, wrote was Boise headquarters. So like, yeah, you want to dive a little bit. So more we had a lot of sneak ups on them. And sometimes we, um, like enter from the nature center that's next to it and so you know just giving you a feel of like the whole political climate is you know like the people at the nature center work for them but they don't even like them you know what i mean they're just getting a paycheck wow. so they'll like help resistance people like a little they'll like turn a blind eye like oh the resistance is gathering in the courtyard oh okay let them gather, you know? And so that was just really interesting to me that you, a lot of the people that work for fish and wildlife have really had it with them too. And Good. we wear the mask, you know, it's this Zapatista thing. You're like, why do you wear the mask? It's because we're invisible. You can't see us. No one takes our issues seriously until we show up with a mob of people with masks on. Then all of a sudden you can see us. And so there's It's interesting how that works. Yeah. The Zapatista slogan was we cover our faces so you can see our hearts. 
And that, I like that. That really resonates with us at Allahi Spirit Runners. We exemplify that. Yeah. As for them being blind to you, I think that's honestly an active choice that they are putting those blinders on. They don't want to see these issues until it's put in their face. Right. Yeah, and so um, a lot of biologists will wear the mask. They'll come in and rebel from behind the mask with us. Um, botanists, biologists. And I think if people, I want them to know. That's why I say it now. There's probably some cops are going to watch this. Some fish and wildlife are going to watch this. And I want them to know your own people are rebelling against you from behind the mask. They have had it with your shit. Yeah. They've had it with yeah. your shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that we've seen various forms of resistance from, from various when it comes to fish and wildlife. Bureau of Management, we can't forget Bundy Ranch, right? Like, I mean, that right. was a right wing white family i mean granted the issue that they had was that they wanted to let their cattle graze there which is a totally separate issue and i'm not trying to like say that they were in the right or anything like that but i think everybody on both sides both sides of the the political aisle are just fed up with the overreach right yeah that's correct yeah the bundy situation is completely completely oppositional to us because we're anti anti cattle ranching the raising of european bovine has just been so destructive to this continent that we can't allow it anymore um and we know that we can remedy it too you know leave it leave it to colonists to mess up a free barbecue you know what i'm saying we had uh the lar the largest wild herds on planet Earth were here in Turtle Island. And the railroad that they made, they cut down all these old growth trees up here to make that railroad, shot all those buffalo to make artificial scarcity. And they didn't question that pattern because it's 1,300 years old, came, came from Europe. This world is abundant. Right. So they have to inflict that false scarcity on people to make them suffer, to make them compete. Otherwise, capitalism won't work. They have to destroy a million free barbecues to get you to do their bidding. They're sick. Agreed. Fucking yeah, that's um, that's some really good insight. Um as well because like i mean obviously I, I i didn't even like think about the cattle ratching aspect when i brought it up i was just like oh well this was a right-wing cause that a lot of people that i i mean yeah i completely agree and i have until i met you i should say i never really thought about how destructive cattle ranching cattle is. ranching is yeah so i mean we did another action in a rural area where we got a huge banner that said no grazing on public land and rolled up into this little town. We took over the BLM building and then we were like, oh, hey, that was fun. Let's go take over City Hall. 
Yeah. And so we're like rolling down there and there's like this big gang of cowboys who like try to threaten us. They're like, not in our town. And I just turn into a grizzly bear. I'm like, Rawr, come on, bring it on, chew your face. You know, and so I scare these cowboys in their own territory. And I've got like a couple war veterans with me and stuff. So I know I can back it up. And then the sheriff comes out and we punk him out too. And then we take over City Hall. So that's what I'm saying about you can you can hang out in Portland and get beat up if you want to, or you can come with me. <laughs> you know? Strategy, tactics. We gotta up our game here. I mean if you're so uh, uh, if you're what? Well, I mean if you're looking for a group with higher standards, you should check out Elahi Spirit Runners. I agree. Um, I feel like there was something. Oh yeah, uh, Oak Flat. Um, you you said you wanted to briefly uh, talk about that. Yeah, we can briefly touch on some of the the bigger ones I've been to. I made it down to Oak Flat at a difficult time. Um, when Wensler thought that the army was going to come kick him off of his land. And so, I mean, like, I have a little bit of advice for warriors. It's like, before you travel 3,000 miles, make sure that the place that you go to wants warriors. Um... You know, and I ain't trying to be a jerk. I'm just keeping it real because it owes some respect to the warriors, too. But you go to some of these places and they they have a preference for non-native clergy people or legal observers. Um, you know, neo-colonial, petty bourgeoisie, aspiring kind of garbage. Maybe they don't maybe they don't even have a class analysis at all. You know, but they're elders and you're supposed to respect everyone. Whatever. I hold I hold everybody to a higher standard. Um, like I've said before, you have to be at least this tall mentally to ride this ride. Anyway, and people think I'm a jerk, but, you know, that's fine. We're a few weeks from the collapse of civilization. So go ahead and talk as much shit as you want to. I'm getting my shit set up and smart people are getting with me. Um, well, Oakland. I mean, there's ahead, like 17, they went in there and drained all the water to a sacred place where they do the coming of age rituals for young women. And this place is a feminine area. The ones that dip low are feminine. Those peaks that are high are male and they provide water. Learn that from the Apaches themselves. From being there. You can't learn stuff at home. You gotta go be there. Okay. But because they didn't have enough warriors, the copper mines kind of like stole their water from them in the middle of the night and then popped up like 17 like little workstations around them. And so they're able to hold down this little spiritual area but because they're not they're not pushing they're not aggressive enough 
they're getting uh, encroached on. Um, the analogy I use is like the koala bear, right? You've seen those endangered koala bears and more and more they take the forest until there's just a koala bear sitting there with no forest anymore. That's kind of what's going on in Oak Flats um, because they're not pushing hard enough. They may change their mind and decide to push harder later. Um, but I wish they would have done that at the get-go before alienating um, actual warriors. <laughs> but So I'm is this struggle of, at Oak Flat still going on? It is, yeah. It's, it's, all this stuff is going to escalate because the Defense Department wants the copper. It wants the lithium. People don't realize how serious it is. They're just dilly-dallying. Um, but they will, if they don't get their way, they will, they will send the military. This is why I was like proud of myself for being there. Like, go ahead and hate me. I did my job and I did it damn well. My grandson, or I'm the grandson of the bodyguard of the general to the Korean war. I have a black belt in a bodyguard style. I was at that right place in time in history doing exactly what I was supposed to be doing right on top of my destiny. He said he was scared and the army was going to come get him. Well, I came to protect him. Hate on me if you want to. I handled my business. Red power. Um. CB, which I believe is Caitlin, um, said, which direct action surprised you the most, both for better and for worse? Hmm. Oh. I don't know. I was at this one in Portland that got really hairy really quick. And before we knew it, they had moved on us with not only the horse cavalry, but bicycle police. There was like a helicopter flying overhead. The police attacked the people, instigated a fight, and like the women in the crowd like just like berserked and started fighting the police and um like started pepper spraying the shit out of the police and i was like what the hell have i gotten myself into i try to scale the damn wall like a ninja and then i'm like bounced out into the middle of the street and there's like a cop sprinting at me full force i'm like oh hell no i used to run track son you ain't gonna catch me and i run as fast as i can and there's like a helicopter flying after me. I saw myself on the news that night. <laughs> just running. I wasn't tough that night. I was just running. I don't blame you at all. Honestly, that sounds like crazy. Yeah. I found out later they were looking for a guy in a red sweatshirt who had stopped traffic. Wasn't me. But I was wearing a red sweatshirt that day, so they wanted my ass. I couldn't figure out, like, why are you chasing me, dude? 
but you're all like, I haven't even done anything yet. <laughs> so just stuff oh, like man. that, you know. And what really surprised me is like the amount of racism we're going to have to overcome to protect the environment. That, that broke my heart and put me in a really r rough spot for a few years coming to coming to grips with that. I've had to come to grips with a lot of things as a leader that would have broke most of people. That's why I'm still here after 10 years. Join Alahi Spirit Runners, Red Power. Um, Paul asked, do you think uh, it would help our country if we have more wind farms? Um, I want to specify, though, before I turn this over to you, when we say our country... Um, we're not hopefully talking about the U.S. of A, but we're mm -hmm. talking about Turtle Island. Right. Yeah, so we believe uh, specifically in indigenous rule. Um, some technologies in the hands of the people can be beneficial. And if we get control of Turtle Island we can set our own environmental standards. And if we don't like it, we can throw it out. But in a lot of the cases, the more that we go back to like an off-grid situation, have like a voluntary step back, is the less that we're going to experience uh, catastrophic uh, loss of life coming into impending collapse. Well, I mean, we kind of already are, especially on some of the sites that you've taken action at, like Thacker Pass with the lithium mines there. The stuff that they're dumping into the water from those lithium mines is killing oh, yeah. the fish and other wildlife that drink out of that water there and a lot of people don't realize that mining lithium for super storage batteries is not necessarily the green source oh, yeah, right. resource that you think it is to replace fossil fuels yeah fuck green capitalism that's not the answer that's why i say it's more off-grid less is more uh go back to using the horse use the bicycle, um, use all these scraps. We don't even hardly need to probably manufacture anything for a few years. We have all these scraps, like we need to slow down. Um, and so we definitely don't support green capitalism. Capitalism's trying to exploit new markets. So that's why they're getting tricky with this. Um, even with, um, you know, like Greta Thunberg, like people never stopped to go check out who her family was. They've got her out slanging green capitalism. Those people are from a, um, they're from, they're selling green energy. She's basically a young salesperson for green energy. She's a trick, you know. And so people don't want to hear that answer of, go back to nothing, be off grid, 
give up your colonial lifestyle and you know but that's actually the answer well even for people who are going off grid for a lot of them that means using solar panels and battery banks but those aren't being produced in an actually green manner no i mean if it requires mountaintop removal and poisoning water for 300 years 300 years come on i'm shocked that i even have to explain it but no fuck green energy fuck green capitalism red power one of one of our elders because I have like elders that are like tapped in, you know, no like actual Lakota star knowledge. And I'll just drop you, drop this one on you. People have traveled planets before. People have already discovered that endless energy source that everyone's looking for, but it won't be revealed to you until you're ready to drop the anger, the jealousy, and the hate. So not anytime soon. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine with me only people could wake the fuck up to that like these fucked ideologies only stand in the way of humanity actually moving forward and it it's one of those things that inherently pisses me off that people would rather argue over mm -hmm. shit that they're in pure ignorance of and stand in their own way then unite, come together, overthrow fucking capitalism, maybe start actually yeah. improving life for all of life. And uh, Rob's in the comments, he said, in terms of green tech, hemp batteries are possible. And yeah, I'd like to see something done with that. At least hemp, when you're growing that, that helps clean the soil. That's something that is renewable and should definitely be looked further into and uh, he said it sounds like Star Trek, to be fair. And yeah, it does. That's one of those things we've discussed at length, too, of like, what the fuck is it going to take for humanity to actually unite, overthrow fucking capitalism and stop the exploitation and the exploitation of the planet itself and actually do some good, do some good across the board. I don't know what the fuck it's going to take, man. <laughs> well, on our political analysis, we're saying that it's indigenous rule that can that can do exactly that. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I'm just wondering how to extrapolate that across the rest of the planet, too, and not just Turtle Island. Um, you know? Those are, those are up to the people that are from those lands um so like marcus garvey say africa is for the africans that's why you see us support the all african revolutionary party so much because they're an african organization based out of africa right and they're sworn to help us get our island back so damn right we're gonna help them get their island back Right. They don't they don't want a spot on our rock and we don't want a spot on their rock. And I think a lot of people can learn from that politic. 
I, you know, I even back in like 2014, 2015, I was I had to tell these white activists, you know, like, hey, I wouldn't roll up into Scotland with 500 aimsters and try to start telling you what to do. So it's absurd that you would try to do that here. Right. That's just a power, a power play. I say it often. It, uh, this quote woke me up. Marcus Garvey said, um, "A people without power and authority are a people without respect." So every time we have a lot of defiance disorder amongst the people right now, that they will lash out at legitimate indigenous leaders instead of build them up. Right now we have a situation. Like back in the 70s, COINTELPRO like came in and cleaned house. Right now, we don't need COINTELPRO because the people oppress themselves. The people oppress themselves. Is Marcus Garvey, a people without authority and power are a people without respect. So how does that translate to the indigenous person? That's well, all of our allies so-called allies that can't get behind indigenous rule because they have problem taking orders from an indigenous person because you haven't had teachers people of authority mentors that were people of color in your life and you don't know how to listen to us on our own land or people that are so caught up in gender sparring that they're like oh i won't listen to a man well, you know, I, I face assassination, so trade me spots, and you won't. I'm pulling your card. You won't. So since I've, since I've taken this spot, held it up for 10 years, you will support me. It's not me. You will participate in your own liberation struggle, period. Bingo. I, believe, I, I believe like the Irish Republican Army. A lot of people have different ideas, but I believe it's mandatory. When your people jump, you jump, or we're coming for you next. That's how the Irish Republican Army won their 300-year struggle and are hailed as an undefeated army. Listen up, kids. You want to be hailed as an undefeated army? There's only a few people are. It's like the Chickasaw and like the IRA are the two that come to mind. You could say like you're like an undefeated people. That's hella bragging rights. But she can't be sitting on the internet making memes. You know, like like I'm 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 so like thankful that all these young people have like communist analysis already. They're like, oh, Lenin's cool. Whoa, great, you know. But are you gonna apply it beyond right. a meme? Because praxis fucking matters. Yeah. You need to join an organization. Yeah. You know? And so Alahi spirit runners were anti-colonial and anti-capitalist. You know? I, we, I, I, I've studied anti-civilization. That's how I know how to really go back to the roots. You know, all these things. I used to roll with Anonymous, so I know I can teach you how to be more invisible online. You have to know internet security. 
you know, I was in the Rainbow Coalition. I learned coalition politics. I learned you have to learn who about the people you roll with. How do the Brown Berets operate? How do the Black Panthers operate? How do you not step on toes? How do you get the respect that you deserve? You know? One thing about trophy hunting, because there's this, you know, wildlife conservation aspect niche that we've really nailed down. Um, I've learned from trophy hunting is the trophy hunter comes in and kills your most experienced male. And they might have younger males that have the same genetic, but they don't have the same experience. They haven't made it that many winters, gone through all those trials and tribulations. Know when to zig, when you should have zagged, you know? So you should be bolstering indigenous resistance leaders. Don't tear them down. This, this, inf this, um, not inferiority complex. That's a big one too. You shouldn't be getting to where you feel some kind of way because somebody is more responsible, takes on a bigger load, or gets more shit done than you. That's some baby shit. Get off of it. Um, That's an insecurity. That's a them problem, not a you problem. Well, it results in a us problem because these are the ways. And I, I took some psychology at the community college. I didn't know why, but now I do. I had to figure these people out. Mm -hmm. And so why they're laughing out at indigenous resistance, we really have to address that and change that because that's exactly what the enemy wants. They want you to have no leaders. That's why they kill them all. And so if you have that same strategy, oh, hey, we don't want any leaders. Those movements were the biggest jokes. Cascadia is one where they're trying to organize this bogus neo-colonial shit on top of indigenous land. This is Elahi. Cascadia out of Elahi. Get off our land. But these people, they don't even have a leader. They have leaders, but you, you ask them who's the leader and all of a sudden, oh, we have no leaders. And basically that's a huge red flag. For anyone with experience, that means this group has no accountability whatsoever. If there's a problem and you need someone to go to, there's nobody. Zero accountability, just some cowards who can't be strong enough to say that they're the leader. There's a tyranny of leaderless movements. But you wouldn't know that unless you had 10 years experience like I do. So we run our shit like a militant. You know, all these, I'm going to tell you now because we're close to the end. We're all going to collapse anyway. Elahi Spirit Runners is a militant indigenous resistance organization. And we're one of the best on the whole continent, period. People think that we're a running group. Let them. I'll tell you because we're close to the end, but we're not a running group. That was just always something to get you to think something. And for people who all really have relationship, they know that's not true. You have to build relationships. You cannot have solidarity 
with a people you have no relationship with. They put up these color posters and say, meet at the park at 3 p.m. That's not solidarity. That's not organization. That's merely mobilization. That was kind of like a mic drop moment, the complete dead silence. <laughs> well said. Kind of um, makes me look back to the Occupy stuff with what you said as far as leaderless movements. Mm. Because while I, while I can't say there was no accountability, it was difficult to have accountability because we literally had to take everything to a general assembly with at least everyone who was part of the camp in order to address the certain behaviors of a few people who we had to remove from said camp and it take turned them into a bureaucratic mess. Yes. Exactly. And when, so that's when you have like benevolent, benevolent dictatorship really like people aren't really ready to hear it because they're not well studied or whatever and the, the the settlers have these books on it too like um oh what was this one i seen threw it at me a couple times and i just like analyzed it politically i was like this is garbage and threw it back in their face and i cite references the kingdom of tonga kingdom of tonga has one of the countries that has the least amount of prisoners on their uh, any nation on the planet you know and they're able to solve a lot of their problems with self-determination amongst themselves you know but exactly for that thing that you just said once you have to go to try to get consensus from all these people and stuff you can't make a move right and part of the thing about the wolf medicine is we're faster than everyone else the wolf is faster than everyone else you can read about it i wrote about it in a couple of my blogs i think the oak flats one i mentioned it but you know Wolves are faster than everyone else. So to be that, we have to make decisions quicker. You know, and I and I always I always set a goal and I prided myself to be like the first one to respond to something. You've seen it with Thacker Pass. I was out there on the mountainside before anybody even knew what was going on. That's the proof. Yes. We're faster than everyone else. It's it just is. Um, so you, you mentioned gender sparring earlier, and I know that we talked about this the last time we had you on, but um, do you maybe want to elaborate on why gender sparring doesn't happen? Your well, gender because of our group rule uh, that we don't allow the gender sparring, we treat it as a disunity. I started hanging out with... Um, well, I was in an African communist group 
for like almost a year and I was banging on it hard. I was putting like 16 hour days into it, running like four committees by myself and um, help them develop a security force and all designed like a micro nation shit. Like people don't even know it's wild. Like, but what I learned from them was that they take threats to unity seriously. And I didn't really understand that. I had not been in a group that was held to that level of discipline before. Um, but there's like all, there's probably hundreds of groups online now and you see them all like fighting. That's why I made these seven unity rules is because I had identified them all as seven barriers to unity. And so, I mean, there's literally groups that are caught up to where their whole existence at this point is gender sparring. And it, it derailed everything from taking real action. Some, some of those groups, I was like, man, I'm out of here. You know, you guys are tripping. And I'd come back three, late, three years later and they were still fighting over the bathroom. And then to, to me, that was like a clear indication that these people were not serious about taking action anyway. Um, there's another point of the analysis I learned from the African communists. They put the land struggle above almost all else. Um, so like you practice identifying yourself, like even even in chat, you say like, like your race, your nation, and then your gender. And so we see like with a lot of like, like young settlers that are like really caught up in gender politics, it's gender politics is paramount to them because their land issue is accounted for. They're on top of our stolen land. So they have a place to go. They, they, they took our land. Um, so, you know, and then race, their race is on top. So they don't have a real racial um, element to their political analysis. And so that leaves them with gender. <clears throat> And they, they treat gender like it's just the absolute number one end all be all. And that's, you know, quite convenient, quite convenient for them being posted up on stolen land that way. So this is why we insist on the indigenous rule, because we're just like, well, we don't even play that game. Um, gender comes last here. Um, Right, like the intersectionality of it is still there, but I like the perspective that you guys have of the seven different genders and all are considered sacred. So like, it's not even right. a fucking question to be brought to the table of do you matter because of your sexuality or gender or your orientation, whatever the case may be. Like, no, you're you're valid right off the bat you fucking matter so how about we address yes. these other issues that are affecting all of us but 
I'd also like to pose you with a question here because statistically mm -hmm. speaking in this country, when it comes to both racial crimes as well as crimes against the LGBTQ community, the majority of those crimes are committed by cis white hetero males. And what, what solutions do you see there for addressing that? Because I see it as a problem in how people are being raised to even have. Mm -hmm. I, if I can just interject, I think that that's a, a, a problem with our white supremacist patriarchal culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. Part of that raising I was referring to. Yes, absolutely. It's a power issue. You know, a lot of the questions people will ask me, I, I'll say the answer to almost every question you're going to ask me is to build power. So that goes, if you're like, how are you going to address that? Well, first you have to get people to stop lashing out at indigenous leadership because we're the only one who's going to stop it. We're the only ones that can even call for unity on our land. The whites can't call for unity. Asians can't call for unity. Blacks can't call for unity. Nobody can call for unity for us, and it's only when we're ready. We haven't been ready for years and years and years. People kept asking me, Mato, when are you going to be ready? Well, it's because we hadn't had the power dynamics figured out. You know, everyone wanted to, like, tokenize us or have us join up under them. And that is not how it's going to go. Everyone's welcome to join up under us. You got it confused. Whose land? Our land. Red power. Okay. So uh, Africans, all everyone, join up under us, you know. We had to go tell, teach people about being inclusive. We had to show it. You know, all these things, you go to like places and they're like, oh, we have an inclusivity club or inclusivity director. Well, right there, that's a red flag. If you hear that about a place, that means that group doesn't know shit about inclusivity. They could come get a lesson from us. Because right now, I'm the only one that, that sees this actually inclusive, where we don't tolerate xenophobia, homophobia, none of this shit. And we've seen it going on with the red power groups, the black power groups. It's like no, no place is left unaffected except for us. So we don't fucking tolerate it. You can get kicked out. You get a couple warnings and we give you the boot. You know, people can come and study here. We study hard at Spirit Runners. Go ahead, kick back and study for a bit. Learn that political line. You get a feel for that political line and you think, you know, that's good. You get a little more involved, you know, start doing stuff. But you got to get a feel for our political line. People are got all these different ideas right now. And the education, a lot of the education people are putting out is not beneficial. Taking people in a hundred different ways right now, dividing people to where, how, what kind of political analysis are you going to get if you're listening to like six or more different teachers? You're not going to be able to focus on anything. 
focus on the indigenous resistance do the reading look at our analysis it's the best i'm not just hyping my own shit. i've worked i haven't taken a day off in months nobody does that is i'm going on like five month stretch right now i worked harder that's how come i know my shit. and our partnership with the all african revolutionary people's <clears throat> party is the best education out here period it just is you know they're the only they're the only ones that have that level of political education and why it's not being embraced is beyond me that's the best shit. i think people are being anti-black anti-indigenous whatever your hang-up is you're a little hater you're pessimistic you don't believe we can win you're nihilistic you're depressed get your depression together are you a warrior are we gonna fight or are you gonna cry around Olawan martinez was this warrior woman that i met in the dakotas and her father was killed in the occupation of wounded knee he lost his life defending those lands so she's like a aim baby she was born into the resistance and so these are some of the people i learned from you know um uh, much respect shout out i don't know how people are doing i hope they're safe you know but these are some of the people i learned from and one thing that she told me she said we don't need any more whining warriors right and right now i see a lot of that we're all in isolation isolation is your chance to grow how come you don't know that that's that thing that's gonna polish you off and make you strong embrace it just just be with it just sit like that for a minute just get strong we don't need any more whining warriors whining never helped any fucking buddy action did though yeah uh, and building power organization every complaint we have you just get in there and you organize you know how many how many people is that your response you get frustrated recruit you get pissed off organize you get scared build have some different responses here people everyone right now is is oh we don't have a safe place to go we don't have a safe place for our kids well duh no shit because you, you we've all forgotten what self-determination is we're all waiting for some neo-colonial shit to come save the day waiting for kevin costner leonardo dicaprio we can't be strong on our own you know but we could be building our own schools then hey guess what you'd have a safe place for the kids to go but you can't be all fighting each other and fighting leaders that intend to do that. We have a plan to put in some kind of educational program like five years after we get land. It's already figured out. And why people don't want to support that? You're just a hater. You're drinking hater aid. You don't even want to you don't even want to provide for the kids. Revolution means material change physical material change 
not symbolism. Right. The goal is to actually improve the material conditions of people. Right. Improve life. Yeah. You grow organic food and you take a bite and you can taste the change. Fuck yeah. You know, and it's something my grandfather told me, you know, that having these hard aim guys around was like, oh man, man, this guy's hard. He was hard because the Korean War made him hard. It's not Vietnam. Vietnam was soft in comparison. So he's seen people like jump off of the boat on the way over there. People don't know that. Some people just took their chances with the ocean, just jumped off into the sea rather than go fight. You know, everyone over there got frostbite, lost toes. He's seen somebody hacked up with a machete for a dollar. You know, shit like that. And so that's going to happen again real soon, you know. It's all fun and games till the machetes come out, but it's coming pretty soon. Everyone's like shaking their ass on TikTok or something. Like that's disturbing. You like need to get a clue. Millions of people are gonna die. And I all these years I've been the messenger. They want to shoot the messenger. They shoot themselves. Keep shaking your ass on TikTok. Uh, yeah, it's like having those kind of leaders, you know, like just made me hard and almost in an insensitive way because of the way that they've been traumatized. But that's just where we're at. We're dealing with this nitty gritty shit. You, I used to go to my mom or something. Be like, she'd be like, what you crying for? Whoa, okay. You know, that kind of thing. And so that just toughened me up took a lot of years to just to toughen me up but that's what i think you know we're gonna really have to reach as a people and you know i don't even know if like people have to be ready for the idea that healing might not even come in this lifetime it's true you know a lot of these people out here they're like oh i need healing before i can contribute to the movement you're being selfish like fuck your self-care you know maybe like getting involved in something that matters will help with that fucking healing community care <clears throat> yeah a lot of the leaders i had laughed at help uh, at self-care olawan the one who said no whining warriors she laughs at self-care those those people are on the poorest Indian reservation in the Western Hemisphere. It was only recently surpassed in poverty by Haiti in the last few years. So what people think is, I need some self-care. The indigenous resistance is laughing at that. I remember that one of the Idle No More leaders, she said, we will like finally we'll finally like get ahead or something once we become prison strong. And what she meant by that was like getting strong off of nothing. We have nothing and we are still stronger than you, you know, 
And so, I mean, that that's the kind of currency that I'm working with at Alahi Spirit Runners. That's why we have the mandatory martial arts program. People are like, mandatory? Mandatory anything? Oh, you won't tell me. Those defiant ones? I just kick them right out. It's a, it's a disorder. People with defiance disorder cannot operate in a militant organization. You're still on some punk rock, adolescent baby shit. You know, I haven't been an anarchist since I was 17 because it's not really rebellious. What's more rebellious is following orders from disciplined revolutionaries. That's way more rebellious. You know, building something that might be able to fight back and contend, maybe even to win, instead of having a crybaby uh, uh, outrage and break a few windows to a place that has insurance anyway. And so, you know, a lot of people don't like me because I can just, like, take their political analysis and crumble it up and smash it, you know. But it took me a decade of study for that. Recently, I did a video against eco-sabotage, against adventurism. And it was because of my life experience. I had gotten to see a lot of these people get out of prison they get out of prison they they've written a book they come talk about the book and they tell you a couple things like look we don't have time to make all these uh, um mistakes if you can learn from someone else who's made a mistake that'll save you a lot of time and pain so i learned from some of these people and, you know, they say things like, if I could do it again, I would have done something with longevity so I could spend more time with my son. Really real, like, human things like that. You know, like, how can you argue with that logic? You know, and... um but also like leading to like a paranoia right where people are afraid to join groups or land defender groups in particular because we've gotten so adventurous that we're not even safe we wonder we wonder why we're facing 15 year sentences it's because we're adventurous as fuck. we need to study communism okay and hey that's cool kids i didn't figure this out till i was nearly 40. all right I'll work with you. We'll figure this shit out together. Um, but I had some leaders who were like looking after me. And like when George Floyd popped off, like I could have gone up to the war zone. I'm two hours away. But people were like, no, Moto, don't do that. That's adventurous as fuck. Those people don't even have a security plan. They're all getting wrapped up. And as soon as George Floyd is over, you're going to emerge victorious. You just hold tight. And so that was like, I needed that, you know. But I forgot the thing that my grandpa finally taught me one day. He said, all these places you're trying to take over. You know, because there's so many, I can't name them all. We ran a drone project out of Portland that was trying to spy on people for ICE. 
and like i'm trying to protect like a vision quest site up in the coastal mountain range and he was like hey but you don't have the deed i'm like what i get all mad because i hate that answer and he's like no serious you don't have the deed you're trying to protect all this land and take this shit over but they run you out every time because you don't have the deed so i'm angry as all hell i go home i'm stewing about it and then i'm like he's right he is right it's the same look it's the same reason why kind of like returning land to a tribe isn't the best solution why because the u.s federal government holds their land in trust and they do not have the deed if you have the land deed then that means you can physically defend it they can't send in the dogs the police and rough you up because this time you have the deed and you're gonna shoot back land back red power and so what we really, really need to do is we need to get the land deeds and say hey this time we own it you know i was unaware of that being held in trust yeah. Sorry for but holy shit. So how do you go about getting those deeds? You have to actually buy the land and not and it almost has to be like in a personal or a family ownership situation rather than a tribal ownership situation. Huh. Wow. Yeah, otherwise they'll never give you the deed, which means they always have the right of might against you. You're not legally allowed to defend yourself unless you have the deed. <clears throat> and so I always wondered, like, with these pipeline projects, too, why don't people post up at a place where they're like, okay, this ranch is 100 acres in the middle of the pipeline. We have the deed. We're not going to budge. And we mean it this time. You know, people just aren't looking at all of these stuff. It's my job to look at all of this. All of this. And I'm I'm homeless. I live in a van. I like I'm doing okay this year. I'm posted up in a garden and you know all that really says is that I'm getting good at being homeless though, and that's what is that? Um but what I'm saying is I had to work really hard. You know, the, you'll see a performance thing like people in third world countries will out rebel like the soft, the comfortable. And these Americans are all on some individualistic. Oh, how's that going to affect me and my job? And even they'll put their family over their tribe or their race. And that's all individualism. Come to think of it, you know, somebody's family won't really matter if their race is in jeopardy. How are you going to feel about that? Oh, I did okay for my family, but my race sure took a hit. Come on. You know, but that's where people are at mentally right now. So we just got to recognize, like, where people are at and then 
disrupt them, you know, that shock them with the lightning. That's what it's for. Can I get a, can I get a pulse check on the movement? Clear. Right. <laughs> so like, I guess just to sum it up, I got one last question. Out of all of the actions that you've been a part of, what was your favorite and why? (laughs) I don't know. I would have to say Liberation Days if I really had to pick. Just, I want to do that again. Right on. Just like to go that far, meet all those people, celebrate armed resistance, learning about, you know, what made a people free of humility is once they've humiliated you, you're done. You know, there's uh, another a prayer runner one time, a Mati guy, he was telling me, he came way out to see me and because and, uh, the wolves wouldn't leave him alone in his dreams. They're like, go help Mato. And it's like a wolf with like a woman's voice saying this to him. And he's like, no, no, I don't want to go go back to sleep. And she comes back and she's like, now. So he packs up his shit and he comes out to see me, you know, and we got some work done. But what he said is, uh, once you're humiliated, you're done. And there's only two races on the planet that he figured had not been fully humiliated yet. And that was the, um, the Tibetan Buddhists and uh, indigenous of the Western Hemisphere. So this resistance is important because you cannot allow them to humiliate you. Once you're humiliated as a people, you're done. It's resist, red power. But yeah, my favorite would be liberation days, you know, to being actually able to resist alongside like the great grandson of crazy horrors or people, you know, some of them before they passed, I met like original participants in the, in, in Wounded Knee and some of them might've just been kids. My grandfather even played a support role in Wounded Knee. He tried to bring out supplies. The the feds got him. Tried to like frame him. Tried to frame him up actually, and like sent him back to Oregon. Um, so it was hard to even get supplies in there. The Cherokees ended up sending a helicopter. I mean, this was a big thing. Um. And it's it's not it's not over, you know. We're still here. 
in in fact you know they left all those bunkers out there when they attacked wounded knee and you know so it's like well now the people have those bunkers you know they don't think about that stuff sometimes you know so what what did they do come and fortify us we are resistance we are the land don't mess with the indigenous resistance Caitlin asked um, if if there's a state or area that scared the shit out of you. Mm. I was uh, attacked by a dog one time. Eastern Oregon and all this stuff is pretty rough. You've got patriot types out there and they know damn well that the law is on their side. So yeah, one of my scary moments, I was attacked by a white supremacist who sicked his young German shepherd on us. And I knew what he was doing, you know, it's uh, some people, ha it's part of colonialism to have the anti-wild thing where you're always trying to like pit domestic animals up against wild ones or like Indian killers, you know, can we go out and kill the kill these wild people? Um, and so that's that's what he was doing, you know. He wanted to see if his little juvenile German shepherd could take one of my wolves, the sick fuck. And he was just a feeble old man. Uh, apparently, his name in the neighborhood was Machine Gun Mike or something, and he's a member of the. Um, He's an oath keeper. So this oath keeper sits his dog on us, and I'm like, I know what he's doing. He's trying to, like, anger me so I'll get a response because my wolf could kill his dog right now, but his little dog didn't volunteer for this shit. You feel me? So I grab my wolf, and I throw him to the ground and I completely shield him with my body. And my wolf wants to get up and just shred this German shepherd, which he could, but I won't let him. And then so like this German shepherd's like nipping at me, like trying to bite, bite me in my lat muscles and stuff. And this position I was in was a judo position. Teach you this in jujitsu. It's called the turtle. People people forget I'm a trained martial artist, like to the point that I don't have to think. And so I'm using this position and I realized because all those years I studied jujitsu, I thought this is weak. This is weak. Why would you ever show anyone the turtle? Where do you use this? I don't understand. The turtle is for sheltering the vulnerable. Right? And so they were not able to attack my wolf because I had covered him like that, you know. And then so I'm able to, like, talk to this white supremacist and basically talk him down, you know. I'm like, hey, get your dog under control. Get your dog under control. Why can't you control your dog, you know. And then I'm trying to, like, switch the narrative. Like, maybe you shouldn't even have a dog like that if you can't control it get control of your dog you know 
and so it was it was really scary you know um the person who i was staying with like didn't even see it go down you know and then like you know she ended up calling the police like like me i have like a basically like a no cop calling policy like if you mess with me and you scare me bad enough you're gonna be the one who has to call the police don't mess with me if you're a bully and you're watching this go find someone else to pick on i'm a bully breaker i'll break you so i just held my cool through this whole thing you know and i ended up getting up and walking away from that situation and because i didn't lose my cool i didn't become angry i didn't choose to assault that feeble white supremacist afterwards which i probably should have could have um i walked away with no charges no nothing you know free to live my life and and go on what i call that is a wolf trap somebody trying to trick you you're trying to set a wolf trap for you. And that day I didn't fall for the wolf trap. Makes me real thankful you knew that turtle move to protect your wolf because had your wolf protected you and attacked that dog, they probably would have tried to take your wolf and put him down. Right. Yeah, and I knew that. I knew that he was trying to manipulate white supremacy against me. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what's that's what will be if people don't support the resistance, something else will come in its place. Why I'm trying to recruit a lot of white people. I just like to clarify that real quick. People are still coming at me like, "Hey, I'm a settler. I don't I don't think can I join? I don't think I can join." Yes, you can join. You know why? Cuz you're going to join under indigenous rule. You can even achieve an officer position if you work hard enough. And I want you to join with us. Why? So I don't have to re-educate you later. And, and so that I don't have to fight you later, so that you don't become oppositional, so that you don't become a threat, you know, so that you don't go and join the Proud Boys or something like that. Better for you to be recruited here than there. That's right. Actually do some good. Uh, Caitlin asks, do you consider Portland a progressive city or do you think it's standing in its own way? Portland is a uh, testing grounds um, politically. There's people there who have been put in power by what kind of clandestine shadow m movement i don't know um but they're there they're there to keep people from 
coming together in organization. That's probably why you see such a huge anarchist element. Um, but it's like it's like gatekeeper central, you know. Um, And I'd like to also reach out to some of the young natives with this. Like, if you're having, like, these gatekeeper problems, it seems like there's more people trying to stop you out in the world. Come come over to my side. Because that is what out what is out there, you know. Um, and people will say that I'm disrespectful and let them. Let them, but you can't gatekeep a whole movement into impotence. I don't care who hired you, work for the FBI, the CIA, Homeland Security, I don't give a fuck. Or you're just selfish, jealous, egotistical. I don't give a fuck. You know, so it's just getting that way. It's getting that way, you know. And sometimes I think they would like to have groups escalate towards violence um one of them sent somebody against me the other day and tried to swing on me and you know it just makes me think like who sent you who do you really work for do you want to get one or both of us hurt do you want to get one or both of us arrested how come you're so stupid you're trying to do native on native crime how come you're that stupid who do you work for you know, and then it's hard to, you know, I don't want to like bad jacket people, but when your behavior, when you're like your mental health is so poor that you're starting to act like a fed, that's an issue. You have to keep your little, I call it the pettiness of human beings. You have to keep your pettiness in line. You know, we're dealing with extinction. We're having nation to nation conversations. And you can't let your jealousy thing. A, a quick on the gender spar thing. I know we're all over the place and this is a good good interview so far. But in the last year I've had, I just want to put this out there because they accuse men of all these bad things. But I want you to know that the women and the other genders do it too. So you can't, you can't rip on men if the ladies are doing it too. Now I keep getting these women coming at me who want me for sex. True story. And I just say, hey, I'm not interested in sex, especially with people who can't organize. You know, what turns me on is if you can organize. And then they get mad that I won't give them sex and they leave and try to sabotage my organization. And I think men need to speak up about this because we just go, oh, whatever, you know, we're tough, we blow it off. But it doesn't really give an accurate portrayal of what's going on out there. And so That's I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm kind of mad at anybody right now who's putting sex over the movement. Like if we're having a nation-to-nation conversation and this affects the unborn and you're concerned about whether I'm going to fuck you, get the hell out of here right now. You know, As well as like, grow up and learn how to handle rejection 
You don't need yeah. to be petty and try to undermine somebody's political action because they prioritize that over getting laid. Yeah. <laughs> so women do it too. We don't get into that. Oh, you know, one thing, one thing I don't like is the term smash patriarchy. It really like went viral. It's everywhere. Smash patriarchy. What the hell does that even mean? And I want to be cautious of situations where if we reversed the wording, it would sound um, psycho. Like if somebody went around saying smash matriarchy, you would think they really had a screw loose. Well, yeah. But and so no is, one's really trying it on that way, you know, and so it's just leading to to gender sparring. I'm seeing well, people just take pot shots at at their only leadership because because of what is between their legs and taking pot shots at them until you have no leadership. Well, the problem is with patriarchy, it expects that all leadership be male. Um, that's why I smash the patriarchy, because it means bringing an end to male rule, male governance over every fucking thing. Doesn't mean no men can participate in that. It means that women and non-binary people need a seat, an equal seat at the table, too, because... With patriarchy, we have seen that influence everything from not just the misogynistic aspects that are blatantly obvious, but racism, um, when it comes to religious oppression, the whole nine yards comes into play with patriarchy and it has caused a lot of harm. The reason why a lot of people look at you like you have a screw loose if you say smash the matriarchy is because it's like, when was that ever really given a fucking chance on a governmental level? It, it hasn't been. Um, so, you know, when it comes to actually being able to speak from our experience, we've seen the trouble that is created by having a world mostly controlled by not just men, but specifically white men, white Christian men, white Christian men. So it's, become problematic yeah whose world though because we've only been colonized in 150 years so that's not necessarily our world and so i had seen like feminists who would use that um to lash out at a male indigenous leader and it's like really okay so that's if, a if that's anything, a terrible application. Uh, if, if you really if is. you if you perceive that uh, that patriarchy is a problem and your highest priority target is a male indigenous leader who has little or no agency over their own destiny on their own land anyway, I say that's a terrible application. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of liberal feminists really do break it down that simply, uh, that simply. But um, most, I, I would say that most, um, even feminist-minded people further on the left uh, don't view it quite so simply. So in our <laughs> in our circles, we view no. white feminism as white supremacy. 
Yeah. And that was that was really problem. Yeah. And it's not have any considerate women of color. Um, But as far as the people who have attacked you in that manner of, you know, seeing you as a patriarchal force, that speaks volumes to their sheer fucking ignorance to indigenous ways of life. And indigenous people are not known for having male rule and female subjugation. In indigenous cultures right. tend to have a respect across the board, regardless of your gender. Look at how many right. chiefs have been women. Okay, right. there there isn't a patriarchal rule there. It is a, a have you earned the fuck position? Okay, lead. Doesn't matter what genitals you have. What matters is your ability to lead. So, right. whoever the fuck said that to you is ignorant as shit. Yeah, and so, like, you know, our indigenous leaders or indigenous women have us fill these roles. That's our that's our cultural role as a warrior to go forward, you know. Um, and then there's, like, back-to-life experience. Going, being, you know, one of the, at that moment that Idle No More was born... Like being there, fasting with Chief Teresa Spence, supporting that female indigenous leadership um, from day one, doing worldwide prayers. We used to have this prayer. We would say a woman will be awakened, you know, and we were just praying for female indigenous leaders. Y'all don't know that because Anonymous destroyed all my websites and shit because I make people nervous. They knew back then I was going to take this shit all over. Okay. But Idle No More. That was, what, 2013. So, you know, about eight years we've been waiting for these female indigenous leaders to come forward. And some of us in the warrior societies and stuff were specifically holding space for them. Like, look at Elahi Spirit Runners. I have room right now for one, two, three, four. Give me four female indigenous leaders right now. I've got a spot for you. But you're going to have to do more than talk. And you're going to have to do more than a knee-jerk reaction and lashing out at men. Because they'll come by and say, well, it's female leadership, blah, 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 but then no one will fill it. Okay. And so that just can't be. You can't, you, in fact, anybody for any reason, stop lashing out at leadership unless you're willing to fill it. And you're not. You won't fight the army. You won't have chemical weapons against, used against you. You won't do all the shit that I did. You know, you're, you're not willing to live in a van for 10 years. I have no problem taking care of myself. I could be living a lot better. You feel me? So no one's ready for that level of sacrifice. So don't come at me for what's between my legs. You know. Right. It would be one thing if you were espousing some type of misogyny, which I've never seen you do. Um, That's uncalled for, for somebody to come at you for what's between your legs when you're not using that as a weapon against them. Yeah, it's the crabs in a barrel. It's Indian politics, you know. 
Yeah. A lot of a uh, lot of what was used against me was uh, nepotism and cronyism, as well. So people want to know, oh, what family are you from? I think we touched a bit on this last time, but I'm finding a lot of those people with these fancy last names, and they don't have the skill set. You know, your dad or your grandpa or your your mom or your auntie threw down for the movement, but it wasn't you. And if you don't even have a skill set, that ain't it. You can't lead with a last name. Your last name doesn't mean shit to me. And they come in, they come in and they're like, oh, I'm special. I've even had them say that. I'm special. The fuck you aren't. Nobody's special in Allahi Spirit Runners. Anybody watching this, don't come here and think you're special. I don't give a fuck what your last name is. We're going to build new leaders here. We will produce new leaders. And chances are most of them will have a last name you've not heard of before. Leadership is not an inheritable trait. No, it is not. All right. Well, uh, we're a little over two hours now. Um, I guess awesome. we could probably uh, wrap it up. But this has been an awesome conversation. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, really, thank you. Um, I'm just glad that... Well, I realized one of the first times I talked to you that you have a lot of knowledge and a lot of wisdom. And I'm just I'm just grateful that I can sit here and listen to you, honestly. Same. <laughs> thank you. Learn a lot from you every time we speak. I love it. Uh, Derek also in the comments said, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so did Caitlin earlier, but I'm not scrolling back up that far. Right. Yeah. So did Don. Thank you, everybody. Uh, yeah. Don didn't get to pop in here with me cause he's got to get up early in the morning. So he went to bed, but he wanted me to tell you, thank you too. Cause he's been following what you're doing and he basically wanted me to give you the power fist for him. <laughs> awesome yeah go give us a share on social media because we're still invisibilized we got to get the word out there there's a lot of um nostalgia um like and i i'm not throwing no shade i love them i'm an aim baby but people in these movements are waiting for american indian movement to show up American Indian movement didn't pass the torch. It came down to there was just a few old men left. No one wanted to pass the torch except to their own family members. So, um, I don't know. You'll probably be mad and try to sue me or assassinate me. But AIM doesn't basically exist anymore. I was one of the last ones who tried to make it strong again. I got together with some younger AIM leaders from the new era, and I said, hey, is anyone interested in making American Indian movement strong again? And it was all crickets. Okay? So here we are manifested under this new banner, ISR, Elahi Spirit Runners. 
would just transform you know but but we have that original my grandfather and my great uncle were american indian movement senior members under dennis banks period so don't be thinking of some nostalgia a lot of those leaders are 89 years old and they can barely walk i'm not throwing no shade i love them i'm an am grandbaby but you do, you cannot expect that some 89 year old people are gonna head anything up okay right right it's just well said. they are elderly and can't can't physically be getting out there to do these direct actions right that's too well, much thank to you so much thank you here's the 300 more fuck yeah oh i know right 200 300 i like that movie right you should like co-op <laughs> like the the number logo 300 ah! all right <laughs> thank you <laughs> yes Okay, I just got a mental image of you throwing somebody down a hole like this is Turtle Island. <laughs> yeah. That would be great. That would be great. <laughs> oh man, my brain's a weird place to live sometimes, but I love it. <laughs> okay, right. I'm gonna roll out now. Red Power. Thank you, everyone. Have a great night. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mako. Been awesome. Hell yeah. Good to see you too, Derek. Yeah, it has been a while. Yes, too long. If you if you want to like get involved, bro, we can bring you on. Fucking a, anytime. Yeah, that's one thing we've been discussing lately is wanting to have an anniversary show with fellow occupiers. Yeah, dude, you believe it's been a decade, bro? I know we're getting old. <laughs> Not really, just older. Kind of, kind of old. <laughs> hey, my gray hairs are natural highlights, and they're purple now. Not I don't really. have that many grays yet, but you know, my hairline just goes further up every year. Fair. Fair. <laughs> yeah, mine's just gotten more and more natural highlights over the years. All right. Anyway, thank you everybody for uh, joining us tonight, and um, keep Love up with you. our website yes. to uh, find out when the shows are going to be. But we're here every Tuesday. Yeah, our other pieces are kind of hitting at random right now because of scheduling issues, but there is more theory coming. There certainly is. Until next time. Love, peace, live long and prosper. Land, peace, and bread. Yes. Thank you too, Caitlin. I, I just saw your last comment there. I appreciate that. Thank you.